Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, what's up, Colorado? Cody King here in studio taking your host, uh, <laughs> taking your host, taking your questions and your prayer requests on Calvary Live. Uh, today I'm filling in for Pastor Nick Cady, who uh, is usually the host on Fridays. And uh, he's actually out of town for his anniversary. So happy anniversary, Pastor Nick. Uh, I pray that it's an awesome time celebrating um, your faithfulness to your spouse and your family. And gosh, such a, a cool thing. So glad to be able to uh, to fill in for him uh, today. Again, my name is Cody King. Uh, I am the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, we are a Calvary Chapel church here in the North Metro Denver area. Uh, Commerce City is where we're located. Uh, just about 104th and Highway 2 is uh, where we hold services at. We're at a, a school here in the local area, and we've actually been able to go back to meeting in person, praise God, after five months of not meeting, uh, only doing online. We're, we're meeting in person again, holding outdoor services at the time, and uh, praying for the opportunity to get back inside uh, you know, AC is better than uh, non-AC, but hey, it's just good to get together with the saints, to worship Jesus, to open his word, and uh, to talk about the things of the Lord. Hey, I want to welcome all of our listeners on Grace FM up and down the front range. It is a privilege and honor to be able to be with you today. I also want to welcome our listeners on the East Coast uh, on Hope FM, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Hey, if you are listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, if you're on the East Coast, then you are hearing this broadcast on a one-week delay. So I just want to remind you of that as we start out, just that uh, you know who you hear may not be who you talk to, uh, but we still are here to take your questions, to take your prayer requests, and we'd love to be able to connect with you. So uh, I just want to uh, remind you to call in still. We'd love to connect with you. We love hearing our listeners on the East Coast as well. Also, if you are listening uh, through the Grace FM app or online, connect with us as well. We'd love to, to hear from you. We'd love to be able to connect with you and to be able to do that. So no matter where you're at across the country and even around the world, you know, I don't, I don't really know how that works internationally. You probably don't want to make that kind of a phone call. That'll be expensive. But hey, you can call and text in too. Again, my name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. We have Sunday, Sunday morning services at Landmark Academy at Reunion, which is in Commerce City off of 104th. Uh, about two miles east of Highway 2. We got one Sunday morning service, and I'd love to have you join us. We are currently studying through the book of Romans. It has been a powerful study, let me tell you. I, I have actually delayed uh, going through the book of Romans because um, I just, man, I just didn't feel personally ready to teach such a, a daunting book. Uh, and so it's been a, a while since I've been preaching and teaching the Bible, uh, about uh, 15 years 
And uh, now uh, we're diving into it, and it's been tremendous, really, really awesome. So uh, we'd love to have you join us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you want directions, if you want to hear messages uh, from our church, if you want to find out more information about our church, check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org. That's redemptioncalvary.org. Uh, you can also listen to our radio program. It airs here on Grace FM weeknights at 8 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. We're, uh, you know, we're just traveling through different books of the Bible together uh, through that series. Um, again, uh, weeknights at 8 p.m. So that would be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, because there's a live service on Wednesdays, so we're not on Wednesdays. Hey, give me a call, 303-690-3000, or you can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Uh, filling in here for uh, Pastor Nick, and uh, you know, I got to say, it's a little bit intimidating to fill in for Pastor Nick because he talks about things I've never thought about. Uh, so that guy, he is smart, and uh, he he knows what he's talking about with some things. So we'd love to connect with you and uh, be able to answer some of those questions for you today. So, hey, let's go to uh, the phone lines. And line one, Savannah in Aurora, you're on Calvary Live. Hey, Pastor Cody, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I wanted to just kind of bring up an, uh, a concern of mine and just kind of get your feedback on it. Um, sure. It's <clears throat> regarding this kind of like new wave of churches kind of coming out from these Hillsong churches. Um, and my concern is that their like mission statements, their beliefs, reading them and just hearing more about them, they seem to differ so much from biblical beliefs and from like the Calvary beliefs. That's why I love Calvary. It's such a Bible teaching church. I've been going to them for like the past 10 years. Um, and, you know, they put a lot of this mainstream Christian music out there, but then you dive into like their pastors and who they're being shepherded or guided by, and they don't seem to really line up with the word. And then I'm, I guess my concern is that, you know, we're singing their songs and their music, but we're not, we don't have like the same beliefs lining up. And like, you know, even some of these mainstream artists out there, you know, for example, Lauren Daigle, um, she got kind of put on the hot spot not too long ago, just about um, her beliefs on homosexuality. And she had responded, you know, I don't know. I'd have to look and see what the Bible says about that. I have homosexual friends who um, I don't want to offend them or like hurt their feelings. But you know, as a believer, um, you know, if we read our Bible, it does say in the Old Testament and the New Testament that among many other sins, of course, that homosexuality is a sin. But here we are listening to these musics, and I'm just... I understand, like, the difference between personal convictions and then, you know, not personal convictions, which it is a personal conviction of mine, listening to these people's musics when they don't necessarily have, like, the same beliefs, or maybe they don't know and they do need to be told more about the Bible, but is it something that we should all stay clear from? <laughs> yeah, good question. Absolutely. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, even the way that you laid out the question to, to really think through this is a good thing. Like what you've stated, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation, or NAR, uh, essentially it's an unbiblical religious movement. And, and what they do is they emphasize experience over scripture or mysticism over doctrine. Uh, and they have these, you know, this term modern day apostles. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I typically try to say to people is that if anyone says that they're an apostle uh, or they introduce themselves as a if I was to say, Hey, I'm apostle Cody. What I would say is run away from those people as fast as humanly possible, 
because they are they're not preaching the true gospel. They are not biblically submitted, uh, and they are they're bound to manipulate you in some way or another. You know, the, where this kind of gets confusing is there's actually a gift of apostleship um, that is stated for us in uh, Ephesians chapter four, and I believe it's also in Romans. Uh, chapter 12, or not Romans, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, the idea there being that there, there's a gift of apostleship, and uh, then there's also an office of apostleship. And this is where it gets confusing for people because they, you know, it's like, well, I got a verse, you know, and so I can say I'm, a, I'm an apostle. Well, the idea being that the, the office of apostleship or big A, capital A, apostle, that office is closed. Um, some of the things that are necessary for that that office to be um, held by somebody is that they've got to be able to uh, have been with with Jesus uh, in his in his physical um, first coming, um, and so you know that's that definitely eliminates all of us. Uh, we're a couple thousand years on the other side of that, and so there's no possible way for that. And so you know the reason that they use that term is because apostle gives this weird kind of authority, like the way that we look at. The, the scriptures, and we have the scriptures written to us by the apostles. It even says in uh, Acts chapter 2 that we, we adhere to the apostles' doctrine, um, and that's a good thing, but we're talking about the guys back then who walked with Jesus. We're not talking about uh, modern-day apostles. Now, the, the little a apostle, that, that smaller a, um, would you know, include the idea of a gift. And that is really someone who has this um, ability to see what could be and to bring it into existence, uh, like new ministries. I, I would use it as an example for anyone who's a church planter and has successfully, I don't that's a, I hate that word successfully, but they've planted a church and it's, you know, it's, it's taken root and it's growing and all those kinds of things. They've seen a, a church uh, planted. I would say that the gift of apostleship is required for that kind of a work, or maybe within a church, you know, there's this new ministry we need to start for this certain section of people, those people who start those ministries and they find some success. I use that term loosely uh, in that ministry where it actually gains feet and, and starts to mature and grow, I would say that the gift of apostle is required for that. So essentially what the new NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, does is they they take the idea of that weird um, overemphasis of their uh, authority, and then they place all of the attention on how you feel over what the scriptures say. So that's where you get things like where Lauren Daigle will say, well, I, I don't really know because um, I have friends that are homosexuals, and so I don't really want to offend them. Because I feel like this, therefore, um, I can't go with what the Bible says. Um, and, and the argument essentially for that is, well, you know, well, who am I to say that two people can't love one another? Well, you're not the authority on that. Jesus is. He, he gets to define it. He defined marriage, and he also defined love. And so people in a homosexual relationship, they might say they love one another, but it's not biblical love. It's exactly. not what the Bible describes. Worldly love. Totally. I totally understand that. So my next concern would be they've kind of bred these bands, these mainstream Christian bands, they have wonderful music. It sounds awesome, but, you know, singing them and uh, purchasing their albums or even some churches are singing their songs in church. I feel like that isn't necessarily 
I don't want to say it's wrong, but I don't feel like it's the right thing to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, in terms of supporting them that way or whatever, I guess what I would say is this is where I would have a little bit more of a gray area approach, a little bit less black and white. And here's why. Um, there are, let me see if I can formulate this correctly. It is possible for their songs to be written in such a way, like you, you know, you cite Hillsong or whatever. It's possible for those songs to be written in a biblically um, sound, biblically submit, submitted kind of a way. It's also possible, and I do have issue with some of the songs that they're written in an unbiblical way. Uh, and so I think that's where it's just got to be discerning. And I, I would just say, you know, to each church, they've got to really prayerfully consider and think through what what we're singing, why we're singing it. You know, I work really closely with our worship leader to make sure that what we're singing is theologically sound. Um, so I don't really necessarily draw a line again, like Hillsong's bad or whatever. Um, I, I, I draw a line more along the, the lines of theological correctness. I've seen a lot of Christians pulling away from that music. I think it's pretty awesome, but I don't want to just, you know, go up to people who do listen to those who are, you know, say they're Christians walking with the Lord and be like, hey, you shouldn't listen to that. You know, I think it's, like you said, it's definitely something that you need to dive into and ask the Lord yourself. Um, but I put it, I've heard it put this way, and this is kind of where, I, just the last point I wanted to bring up to you. So sure. because theologically it's not sound, and because they're not necessarily, you know, walking in line with what the Bible is teaching, um, would we listen to songs in church and praise and worship that Mormons would write? Because they don't believe in the same God that we believe in, right? Mm -hmm. And so, because these bands don't either, I feel like that's where we would have to draw the line. Sure, I understand that. But that's where I would sort of push back and say, they are coming from a biblical perspective. It's just an unbiblical concept that they're promoting. So, the, yes, they are reading the same Bible. They're just not submitted to it to the degree that we are. So it's not like, you know, the Mormons who they have a whole different theological slant on everything uh, based on a different authority uh, of Scripture that they call, you know, their Book of Mormon or whatever. So yes and no, I guess, is what I would say to that. I, I mean, really, you know, when when I consider this— it's a slippery slope to start drawing really hard lines like this because then it's it's like, do I not buy Apple products because of their position? Do I not go to Disneyland because of their stuff or watch Disney movies? Do I, you know, like where do we draw the line exactly uh, on these things? And I think that's where people have to, you know, they just got to, you know, Romans 14, work it out in their own mind and live by faith in the Lord. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you. That was really good insight. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, Savannah. All right, God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King uh, here in the studio with you to take your questions, answer answer those questions and your prayer requests. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, and also send a text at 720-336-0897. Uh, let's go to the phone lines and line two with uh, Nathan from Frederick, Colorado. You are on Calvary Live. Hi, how are you, Pastor? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. And, uh, yeah, from Frederick, actually. And so I've got a question that I've been kind of just been in the back of my mind for over 30 years, kind of looking forward to it regarding end times prophecy. And uh, the, the scripture verse is Daniel 9.27. 
and it's regarding the animal sacrifices that the Antichrist is going to cause to end. That means, therefore, they have to start up again. And in light of some recent, relatively recent news items, like in 2018, uh, there were the Orthodox Jews, I'm not sure if that's really their proper terminology, but the Orthodox Jews have petitioned the Israeli government to try and reinstitute uh, the animal sacrifices at a temporary altar set up at the Wailing Wall. And uh, I've seen images on there of them dressed in their robes and even with uh, young children around to help teach them the way. And there are animal parts in a Tupperware container, of all things. I thought it was odd. But they had the stone altar set up. And ultimately, the Israeli government said no. But they've been trying. You know, I heard 30 years ago about this Bible verse. And I've just been looking forward. And, and there it is. In 2018, uh, there that happened. In 2017, uh, some people rescued some goats that were on their way to be sacrificed at, based on news articles. And uh, so my question is, can you shine some light on that or, or in, in light of these recent things? You know, yeah. President Trump actually even tried to help the Jews bring uh, those animal sacrifices to fruition. Sure. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, what you're re referencing there in, in Daniel 927 absolutely is talking about uh, the time when sacrifices will be reinstituted, um, you know, really that section that you're referencing in Daniel chapter nine uh, starts in verse uh, 24, talking about the 70 weeks uh, of Daniel. And so here's, here's really where that connects all together there. We're right now in this sort of um, prophetic pause where in, uh, in, in Daniel nine, there are 69 weeks that have taken place currently, and that brings us up to Jesus when Jesus enters Jerusalem um, and uh, in the triumphal entry. That's the 69 weeks. Then there's this prophetic pause where Jesus, he dies, he he's buried, he's raised from the dead. And then now we're in this church age, which is in the middle there. And then there's a final week, uh, uh, that word week meaning seven year period of time. And that coincides directly with the, the things taking place in Revelation. Um, and so what you're talking about here is that's, that uh, detail of the Antichrist stopping the sacrifices. And uh, absolutely right, that's a great insight that there's got to be sacrifices happening in order for them to be stopped. And so, you know, if you go to Israel, I know that uh, we, you know, we are at Redemption planning our, our first trip as a church to Israel. We were supposed to be there actually right now. Um, we were going to be in Israel right now, but uh, we had to postpone it until uh, later on next year. Uh, and so, you know, if you go to Israel, there's actually a spot there in Jerusalem. It's called uh, the Temple Institute, and uh, they'll take you through a tour and they'll show you that they have literally everything ready to go to be able to build a uh, third temple. Um, so they're ready to do it. They have all the all the stuff that they need for it. Uh, down to priestly garments and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, really the things that they need is um, the they need a space to build the temple. And uh, they need, from what I understand, they need a red heifer. Now, I'm not up to date on this as far as if they've been able to do this. I know they've been trying to genetically modify a pure red heifer because that's required in order to uh, um, uh, institute the priesthood. Uh, that's one of the pieces that they need. And so they're, they're looking for these things, but everything else is ready to roll. They even say that they have 
um, you know, the, the, they found the, the Ark of the Covenant and all that stuff. Uh, they don't, they don't tell you where it's at, but they say they've got it. So really, this is what we're kind of looking for on the prophetic scale. Now, in this, will the temple be built prior to, um, uh, you know, the rapture of the church in First Thessalonians chapter 4? I would say no. And the reason why is because the Antichrist is the one who is going to create the peace necessary for the temple to be built. So uh, what the Antichrist is kind of um, uh, the, the point of, you know, the necessary component uh, to bring peace where there really hasn't ever been peace in, in the Middle East. And so he'll bring peace. It'll be three and a half years of some, you know, kind of peace going on there in Israel. Everything seems great. And then at three and a half years, he stops the sacrifices and actually declares himself to be God and uh, things get shaky from there. So that's kind of a timeline. Does that sort of help answer some of that? Yeah, and that and that was that's been my understanding. I guess I didn't couch my question or whatever right. I, but I guess I'm I'm eager. I'm very excited to see these photographs online of these Jews practicing this right, and and even serve to teach their young. You know, a little boy looked like he's six years old, and and it was just very surreal to see Old Testament animals sacrifices and the Tupperware container and goat heads coming out of it, you know, and, and I, I guess I'm, I'm really, uh, I guess what I'm saying, would I, would I have reason to be excited besides everything else, you know, that points there? Sure. I mean, I think it's an exciting thing in terms of the idea of, um, the sec, you know, the second coming of Jesus, the rapture of the church, because it really starts to get closer. It's, it's like what Romans, excuse me, uh, Revelation chapter one describes that, uh, as the time draws near, it's like the way that a woman is about to give to, to give birth and deliver. That there's these birth pangs, and what happens is they get more frequent and more intense as we get closer to the time of the child being born. So too, it's the same way you get you know more frequent, more close uh, when when it gets time for Jesus. So I think excitement in terms of that. I think it also should put within us a sense of of. Um, I don't know, urgency, I guess is a good word to say, uh, this is not something that you want to go through, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to see the Antichrist. I don't want to be around when these things are taking place because if you read Revelation, it's not some good stuff. And so the people who are around us, living in our neighborhoods, we go to work with, our family members, our friends, we should be all the more earnestly praying that Jesus would bring a revival to our country, to our streets, to our neighborhoods, uh, that people may come back to him. So, uh, yeah. Amen. That's exactly. Amen. So, very cool. Well, thanks, Nathan. I appreciate your uh, call. Uh, it's great to talk to you. All right. So, all right, hey. All right. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King here in studio with you, taking your calls and answering uh, your, your calls and prayer requests. Let's go to line three and Walt in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Walt, you're on Calvary Live. Hi, Cody. Thanks for taking the call. You're welcome. Um, my basic idea is based on the idea that um, the most effective lie contains a lot of truth. Uh, I mean, Satan actually told some things that were true to Eve in the garden and actually used Scripture to try to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. So I'm comparing that to some recent films and books and things that um, I've been objecting to because they are pretty much a lot of truth, 
But then the lie that has slipped in can be really stuff that would hurt somebody <laughs> and say, yeah. up to that as well. Uh, let me be very specific about one, so it's for brevity. Have you ever seen the movie Son of God? Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Okay, well, it was promoted by quite a few um, really well-known uh, TV, radio pastors and uh, radio personalities, TV personalities, and had, they had the directors on, and they claimed that it was totally biblically accurate. Okay. And I taught a uh, one, two, uh, one, I showed it in a religion class. I was a substitute, and the teacher had planned to show it. And I asked, hey, have you seen this? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, well, do you see anything non-biblical in it? And she named one thing, and I said, yeah. How about if we make a questionnaire and let the kids evaluate it as we watch it, you know? And she yeah. agreed, and the kids were nailing stuff, you know, like the very first scene was tradition, but it's not in the Bible. If you read Matthew 4, you know it's not true. Okay. And then there was some stuff that was just totally psychedelic, looked like uh, it had to be um, just New Age stuff. And it was obviously not intended to be totally biblically accurate. Um, Peter never did actually walk on the water. You know, it was weird. It was, that was the weirdest scene. But what do you do when you're trying to, you know, encourage people to be discerning, you know, about stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great question. we got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to try my best to, to do this before the break. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's, that's great. You know, the... I think that's one of the things that we're really dealing with culturally right now in a big way is that there are a lot of things that sort of seem true or have some truth in them. And yet there's this crazy lie that's mixed up within it and it drags people into all sorts of uh, insanity. Uh, and, and the reason why this is important is because what you do comes out of what you believe. A lot of Christians have a, a struggle with this because, you know, they're focused on trying to make themselves, you know, a better person or try to stop doing a certain sin or trying to start doing a certain good godly habit or something like that. And the focus is all on the do. And really what I would say is that the focus needs to be on the believe. If you believe right, then the natural byproduct is the doing will be right. So too, if you believe wrong, the natural byproduct will be that the believing is wrong. And so I think that's where, it, you know, putting the argument, sort of framing it in that sort of a, a way really helps to people to see that it's not just about uh, the kind of, uh, you know, stuff that seems like it's okay on the surface, but what's really behind this? Because if you want to get down to what you believe, what you believe is is what it comes out of what you know. So information produces belief, and that produces action. Um, so you know, people can say all day long, "Well, I believe in Jesus, and I be you know I believe that uh, He died for my sins, and all that kind of stuff," and yet their lives don't show it. And, and the Bible declares that that's that's not really that's not a saving faith. That's actually a belief that would that's a um, it's a, a self, uh, self-deceived kind of a thing. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's very important to point out those things. I think it's really great. I love that you gave the students a questionnaire and challenged them to think because a lot of times we just take in information and we don't think about, is this true? Is that really what the Bible says? 
does the Bible say that Peter walked on water? Because they're saying that he didn't. Oh, wait, there's actually a verse. It explicitly declares that Peter did walk on water. What's going on here? And so if they're if they're sowing in those kinds of lies in the beginning, then it's going to get worse uh, toward the end. You're going to be swallowing huge lies as a result of that. Exactly. Um, you know, if you know the truth, if you know Jesus Christ and he's the truth, you can spot the lie very quickly, just like they study the real thing when they want to identify counterfeit money. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. You, you just end up in this spot of, um, you know, if you know Jesus, then you're going to know uh, when there's a, a lie or a counterfeit coming in. And so that would be my encouragement to all the listeners. Dive deep into Jesus. Know him well. Know his word. If things seem like they're off and you have that, you know, it's been called a check in your spirit, pay attention to that because it probably means something. So, uh, hey, thanks for calling in today. We appreciate your call there from Missouri, Walt. And uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, what's going on? It's uh, Pastor Cody here with you in studio today, taking your calls, answering your questions and uh, your prayer requests. Uh, Give me a call here, 303-690-3000. Or send me a text, 720-336-0897. It's a joy and a privilege to be able to serve you this way, to be able to talk about the things of the Lord, and to uh, try to gain a biblical perspective on the things and issues of life. Again, my name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. We are a Calvary Chapel church here in the north metro Denver area. Uh, in Commerce City is where we're located. Uh, we hold our services at Landmark Academy at Reunion. It's, a, it's in Commerce City, about 100, excuse me, off of 104th Avenue, about two miles east of Highway 2. We have one Sunday morning service at 10 a.m., and I'd love to have you join us. Uh, we are currently studying through the Book of Romans on Sunday, and we've just recently been able to go back to having in-person uh, service, and we're so excited about it. We're, we're doing it outside, and so you get to get a tan while you learn about Jesus. What a what an awesome thing that is. <laughs> so we'd love to have you join us. Uh, if you want more information about uh, the church, directions, if you want to listen to messages, check out more information about our church. The website is redemptioncalvary.org. Hey, give me a call 303-690-3000 or send a text 720-336-0897. We have full uh, lines right now, but uh, uh, if you hear someone, you know, drop off, then uh, that's a great time to call to sneak in your call as well. Let's go to line two now and Kylie with a prayer request. Kylie, you're on Calvary Live. Kylie, are you there? Yes. Hi, you're on Calvary Live. You have a prayer request? Um, For my grandpa. Yeah, what's going on with your grandpa? Well, he just has some health issues. Yeah. His name is Chris Fay. All right. And I'd just like to pray for him. 
Absolutely. Let's let's pray for let's pray for your grandpa. Lord, we want to come before you today with Chris, and we pray that you would uh, bring your healing hand uh, upon him. We pray that you would encourage him and that you would be near to him. And we thank you for his grandchild, Kylie, with the, the heart to say, let's pray. Let's bring this prayer request before you, Lord. We know that you are the great physician. You are the one who knows our bodies inside and out. You're the one who is uh, has created us and crafted us and formed us. Your word says that you knit us together in our mother's womb. And so we know that this is true of Chris. And so God, as, as the great physician, as the one who loves us more than we could even imagine, we cry out to you and ask for your supernatural touch upon Chris's life. We pray this, this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And my name is Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie. All right. It, it was uh, written wrong in my thing. Thanks for calling in, Kyrie. It's great to talk to you. You too. All right. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks. All right. Yep. All right. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Uh, it's a great time to be able to talk about the things of the Lord and uh, to be able to dive deeper into his word and see what he has to say. Uh, let's go to line one now and Richard in Federal Heights. Uh, Richard, you're on Calvary Live. Hi. How are you doing, Deb? Uh, doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I'm just uh, kind of confused, you know. You know how it is. Sure. What? Uh, what's uh, your question? Well, with the election coming up, whether we vote for or vote against or whoever we vote for, it's ultimately God who's going to put the guy in there. And uh, if he takes over and, and becomes the Antichrist and rules the world, and we end up, uh, the ones that are left here, end up having to call him God because he's, created peace on the planet. Uh, could there be any correlation in uh, the current events with the end times? Yeah, I think that there is definitely correlation between current events and the end times. Jesus talked about this concept in Matthew 24, that there would be you know, wars and rumors of wars. Um, also in, let me look for it, I think it's in uh, 2 Timothy. It talks about how um, you know, people will be, uh, in the end times, people will be lovers. Yeah. First Timothy chapter three, but know this in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, br uh, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, uh, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Uh, this, this list I mean, this, this list sounds like turning on the news today. It's exactly what's taking place uh, in our country all over the place. And so absolutely, I think that, you know, there are some things that point us to the idea uh, that we are in, in the, that end times, that, that last days kind of a, um, a uh, season. Um, but as far as would the American president be the Antichrist, I would say I don't have any biblical... Um, you know, sources that would support that. Uh, the America really isn't 
mentioned or described. Some people have had some really vague, try, you know, kind of things where they try to find out uh, if America is in the Bible. And I don't really, you know, when I read through the Bible, I don't see anything about America uh, particularly. And so, you know, would the American president be the Antichrist? I would say it's highly unlikely. I know that's hard for us because in our current state, where we're at today, it seems as though, you know, America is the the superpower in the world. And so it seems like being that we are the most powerful nation uh, on the on the planet, how in the world could it be that we wouldn't, uh, you know, even be mentioned in Scripture? The, the The reason for that is because America is not the point of the Bible. The point of the Bible is Jesus. And so in that, really, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. That's what I'm looking for. Because um, if if you see the Antichrist, that means you missed the rapture. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four talks about this idea of the rapture of the church. Uh, the rapture of the church is the first thing that takes place in the second coming of Jesus. Now, when we say second coming of Jesus, that's not just a, a singular event. It's a timeline. It's a frame of time. And that time starts with the rapture of the church where Jesus takes all of his people out of the world. And then it concludes with his uh, return to the earth uh, in Revelation chapter 20 uh, to establish his thousand-year reign uh, from Jerusalem. And so really in all of it, um, I think it's important to really consider Bible prophecy and to be uh, thoughtful about it, but I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. To amen to that. I, I uh, pray and hope for a, a rapture in my life, that's for sure. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, with the way things are going, it seems like, man, that's the that's the way out for sure. That's the only way out, really. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, the big thing about that is the the only ones who have any sort of hope in that are those who've placed their faith in Jesus. I mean, it's it's not just this uh, sort of hope like I hope it doesn't rain later on. It's a sure and certain hope when you know that Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection was for you, that He placed Himself in the position of taking your pain and your suffering and your uh, punishment for sin so that he might give you his grace and adopt you as his own. I mean, really, you, you think about that, and there's so much hope wrapped up within that. And uh, the the idea of Jesus taking his people, man, it's a sure and certain reality. It's not a, it's not a fairy tale idea out of a, some sort of uh, mythological book, you know? All right, Richard. Thanks for calling the in. Good in. The only good in me is Jesus Christ. Because, Amen. Uh, the Word of God says there's none good. No, not one. Amen. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Absolutely. Well, thanks for calling in today. It's great to talk to you, Richard. God bless you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King uh, here in studio, taking your calls answer your questions, and praying with you together. Uh, now let's go to line three and Jay in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he's got got a question here. Jay, you're on Calvary Live. Yes, how you doing? Uh, doing well, how are you? Great, great. God bless you, brother. Uh, listen, uh, I just had a question. I've uh, been doing a little bit of studying, and, and you just touched on it a second ago. Where Yeah, a little bit. But we are looking for Jesus, but I'm looking to... Uh, get a proper interpretation or get some input for a proper interpretation through my study on sure. Revelation 12 about that 
eagle. Now, I know the animals around the throne are the four-corner tribes of Israel, but what is that eagle? Who is that eagle? That's a good question. Yeah, so as we're looking at this, in Revelation um, chapter 12, it's really important to get the characters of what's taking place here right. If you don't get the characters right, then the interpretation goes all over the place. Uh, There's a woman, there's the child, and there's the dragon. These are the three main characters in the prophecy of Revelation chapter 12. Now, the woman is very clearly Israel. Okay, Um, it says, let me see, Uh, it says in verse one of chapter 12, a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet and her head on her head, a garland of 12 stars. This idea points us all the way back to, if you remember in the book of Genesis, when um, uh, Joseph has this vision of the sun, the moon, the stars all bowing down to him. Um, and so this is is uh, speaking of the nation of Israel, all right? And then you have the child. The child is uh, the idea of uh, Jesus. He's born uh, from the name of, uh, or from the, the Jewish people. Verse 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So very, very clearly speaking of Jesus, and then the dragon is Satan himself. And so then what we have is that uh, in verses 13 and uh, to the end of the chapter, the woman is persecuted, meaning, meaning that the nation of Israel is being persecuted. And who is the woman being persecuted by? By the dragon. Verse 13, now when the dragon uh, saw that uh, he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman uh, who gave birth to the male child. So all of that focus is on uh, the idea of um, Satan persecuting the Jewish nation. And when we look you know, at uh, history, we see that that is absolutely true. Um, and so then it says, verse 14, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she nourished for a time and times and half a time. Now, here's, a, here's the thing about this. This is where prophecy gets... Um, let me try to explain this real briefly. Sorry, it's kind of getting detailed. But when you think of a prophet, think of a prophet as standing on a mountaintop. The prophet can speak as they're speaking a prophecy in th- uh, three different timelines. There's their current time on the mountain that they're, they're standing on. And as they're looking across you know, a mountain range, there's a near... Uh, peak that they could see, that would be a near fulfillment. And then there's far peak that they could see, which is a far fulfillment. When you see this phrase for a time and times and half a time, that is uh, the idea of three and a half years. Time would be one year, times would be two years, and a half a time is uh, a half of a year. So it's a three and a half year time period. So this is talking about uh, the time of of the end times in Revelation. It's not talking about current day events. So, you know, again, I I don't know that I would really necessarily say that the eagle is talking about uh, America, you know, because we have an eagle as our national bird. I mean, some people see that, but I don't necessarily see it. All right, I don't know if we lost you, Jay, but uh, sounds like you're no longer there. I hope that that answers your question a little bit. Uh, the, the wings of the eagle uh, isn't really necessarily 
um, something that we're you know necessarily focusing on this. It's more that uh, the the nation of Israel is being persecuted by um, uh, by the, by Satan, by the serpent, by Satan. All right, so let's go to line two and Greg in I don't know how to say this Carf Carlfi Carlife, Pennsylvania. Uh, Greg, you're on Calvary Live. Uh, good evening, Pastor. How are you? This is Greg. All right. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Listen on Hope, Hope FM in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Carlisle. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, think Carlisle. It was a, I think it was a typo. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. Th- thanks for calling in. Oh, no. I, I listen to your show frequently. Um, it's very helpful. Um, yeah, my question comes from Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay. Specifically, I'd like, I mean, I see a con- what, what looks to me like a contradiction between verse 3 and verses 7 and 8 relative to the timing of specific events. Verse 3, um, I don't have my Bible right in front of me, but verse 3 says that that day I read as the rapture, the coming of, of, of our Lord, won't happen until the apostasy comes and the son of perdition is revealed. So apostasy, son of perdition, son of perdition rapture. Go down and read verses 7 and 8, and it talks about the restrainer. And it seems to suggest he who restrains will be removed before the revelation of this son of perdition. So the thought has always been that if you remove the restrainer, and the restrainer is who we perceive, the Holy Spirit, then would you also not remove the Church? So one seems to suggest that perhaps we will be removed before the revelation of the Antichrist. One seems to suggest we will be removed after the revelation of the Antichrist. I'm hoping you can shed some light on it. Yeah, I think it's a really great question. I, I love the way that you're paying attention and really, you know, not just reading over this, but looking at the details of what's being stated. Uh, here's what I would say. I think the key to understanding this is the uh, the word day in Revel. Uh, excuse me, in First Second Thessalonians two three says, "Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling of the way falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So that day, what is that day? Now, there's three different terms uh, or three different possible meanings for the word day. The word day could mean a literal day, 24-hour period. Like when you read in Genesis chapter 1, it literally says the sun uh, or the evening and the morning was the first, second, whatever day. So it's a 24-hour period of time. That's one uh, way to interpret the word day. Another way to interpret the word day is a definite period of time. Uh, you know, like you could say, um, you know, I'll have my day uh, in court. And you don't necessarily mean, you know, the, a, certain, a certain day. It could be a, you know, the court hearing could take multiple days. It's just the idea that there's this certain time that we're looking at. And then there's a third way where day could be uh, something that is an indefinite period of time where it's, you know, it's just this, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day is what scripture says. And so that's this sort of indefinite period of time uh, that is stated out there. So all that to say, it's important to get the right day when we're talking about this. Now, if we interpret it as a certain day, like a 24-hour period of time, then it's, it would seem as though it's a contradiction because, like you said, the rapture of the church comes and, you know, when you look at it, well, there's got to be a falling away and there's got to be the son of perdition, the Antichrist revealed. So that has to happen. And then 
there's the rapture. But then when you look down a little bit further, like you pointed out, it seems as though it's totally the opposite. It's, it's that the, there's this removing of uh, the one who restrains the Holy Spirit. He's taken out of the way. And then, verse 8, the lawless one will be revealed. Um, and so here's the way that I would say it. That word day is not referring to a 24-hour period of time. It's referring to a, a uh, um, specific period of time. And the specific period of time that it's talking to is uh, the end times, uh, the, the day of Jacob's trouble, as it's referred to uh, in, in Scripture. So that would be the day. And the day is the book of Revelation, essentially. Now, here's where that all kind of comes together. The, the prophetic calendar, if you will, or the day of the Lord or the second coming of Jesus it's not a single event. It's actually a time frame. It's, it starts when the rapture of the church happens in 1 Thessalonians 4, and it concludes with the um, physical, literal, bodily return of Jesus in Revelation chapter 20. So it's not a day in terms of a 24-hour period of time. It's a day in terms of a seven-year time frame. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, as soon as you said we focus on the word day, I, I sat here on my chair and I started to smile because I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. And I've seen that before. And, you know, especially like when you go back to Genesis, you know, in, in Genesis 1, you get the, you know, the days and the word yom. And yom yeah. is always translated as a literal day. A literal day, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and so as soon as you said that, I, I, I sat here and I just started to smile. But, oh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's that's why we call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it just takes something so simple to point something like that out and you go, oh yeah, now it all clicks. It all fits. You know, and it's it's not like taking a jigsaw puzzle and shoving the piece in that doesn't fit. It's saying, oh, that's how it fits. I had to turn it a little bit. Good. I appreciate the perspective. Absolutely. It's great to talk to you, Greg. And you as well. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, man. See ya. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Uh, Cody King here in studio for you, uh, answering your questions, taking your prayer requests. We got all lines open in about nine minutes left in the show. Actually, about eight, I'm told. Uh, so if you want to call, this is a great time uh, to be able to call. Uh, I'll go to the text line here. It looks like, uh, let's see, uh, Donna texts in and says, concerning pa uh, Savannah's point about Hillsong, Bethel, uh, IHOP, not where you eat pancakes, but International House of Prayer uh, is what, what that's re referencing. Uh, since they're teaching doctrine in their songs and Disney and Apple aren't, shouldn't we be very concerned? I think that's a good point. These, sing these singers, um, are, I think it says aren't under pastors that teach that do teach dangerous doctrine and music has a great effect on our inner men. Would you as a Calvary pastor offer this offer the pulpit to one of these pastors uh, to teach uh, your flock. It's, I think it's a great point, Donna, I, that you make there. Um, and, you know, to where I would say, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. And I can I can see that as a, a good, solid point. Here's where I would sort of push back a little bit. Um, we, yes, in the one hand, uh, music is very powerful. Uh, music has a, a great effect on us, and God's designed it that way, and it's, it's a tremendous thing. Um, and yet these musicians, um, they're not in the position as the teaching pastor like I would be at our church. And so that's where it becomes my responsibility to decide what are we going to do with this. Now, there are pastors who decide, you know what, 
because I don't like uh, this these certain songs, or I don't like this doctrine out of this, um, you know, um, this this uh, uh, group of people. I'm going to abandon all their music, and, and I think that that's a, a point that uh, a pastor could make and say, you know, what this is the way I'm going to choose to lead this flock. Some pastors may swing really far on the other side and say, you know what, we're going to sing their songs and we're going to sell their CDs and we're going to have concerts. Um, and so, to which I'd say, all right, you can you can do that as well if you'd like to. I try to take a little bit more of a, a middle of the road balanced approach with it. And the reason why I do that is because um, I think, I guess my goal is to train people on how to think, not um, necessarily think for them, if that makes any sense. And, and so what I want to do is I want to take what is good and uh, not necessarily um, throw everything out. Here's an example. Here's what, here's why I say this. Um, uh, John MacArthur is a one of the foremost theologians of our day. Incredibly wise man, tremendously powerful in the scriptures, one of the best expository preachers alive today. Um, and I would actually argue probably in history. Tremendous, tremendous man of God in terms of his capacity to break down the Bible. There's some stuff that he says that I don't agree with. There's some stances he takes that I don't like. Um, there's, he actually, he actually is on the side of, um, a Calvinistic theology that, uh, is a cessationist in its view. So what he would say is that this is a very oversimplified way of talking about this. He would say that, um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we read about in the Bible aren't really for today. I, I totally disagree with him. And, and when I've, I've listened to him teach through 1 Corinthians, and he does a tremendous job of expository preaching until he gets to chapter 12, and then it's like he lost his mind for a couple of chapters. Uh, all of the expository preaching goes away because it's just an explanation of his doctrinal stance. It's no longer expository preaching through what the Bible says. Do I throw out all of John MacArthur's teaching and never listen to him and say he's evil and uh, hates God? No, I just don't agree with him on that stuff. So, uh, you know, I think this is a little bit more dangerous, you know, with this, uh, uh, the ap apostolic reform, you know, uh, guys or, or whatever their, their name is. Um, yeah, it's, it's more dangerous, but also, um, you know, they're, they are talking about the same Jesus. They are reading the same Bible. Uh, I do believe that people do come to faith, uh, genuine faith in Jesus under uh, these kinds of ministries, I just think they're going to have a really rough time when they have to answer for the stuff that they have uh, promulgated and propagated throughout uh, their false teaching and their low view of Scripture. I think it's going to be a rough day standing in front of Jesus that day. So uh, I appreciate that call, that uh, text, Donna. Thank you for sending that in. I think it's uh, wise and uh, really well said. Hey, we got about uh, four minutes left here, um, and I just want to end with this thought. Um, in Romans chapter uh, 6 and 7, what we have is something pretty tremendous for us. And I, I actually talked about this last time I was able to host a few weeks ago and never got to get to this point. In Romans chapter 6 and 7, we are given seven mental shifts that we need to make in order to win our war with sin. Let me ask you a question. Are you at war with sin? Is there something within you that you wish that you could f defeat, that you would have control over instead of it can having can control over you? Is there is there something you want to forge forward in your life on and experience the victory of Jesus? 
I would submit to you that in Romans chapter 6 and 7, there are seven shifts that you need to make in order to win that war. The first one is in chapter 6, verse 3. And this mental shift is that you got to rec- you got to recognize that the old man is dead with Jesus. The old you is dead with Jesus. That 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 one that is enslaved to sin died on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. The second mental shift that has to take place is that it's in chapter six, verse six. The old man is not in control because Jesus is in control. That Jesus takes the position of authority in your life, that he gets to decide what you do, he gets to decide where you go, he, he uh, dethrones the old man in your life. The third one is in chapter 6, verse 9. The new man has supernatural power from Jesus. And then chapter 6, verse 16, you are the slave of Jesus. I think this is where it becomes really difficult for people. They get that old, that, all that other stuff. Yeah, I've been crucified with Christ, but Chapter 6, verse 16, you're the slave of Jesus. Jesus didn't die in order to make you God. He died to take his rightful place in your life as God. Chapter 7, verse 1 is where we find number 5, mental shift number 5. You're under the authority of Jesus. Chapter 7, verse 7 is mental shift number 6. The law reveals my desperate need for Jesus. And then in chapter 7, verse 14, the law is actually accomplished in me by Jesus. So here's what I just want to encourage you with. If you are struggling with sin, it's all about mental shifts that need to take place. And the whole point of the mental shift is what you believe about Jesus and what he's done for you results in you doing better. It results in you living correctly. It's not a, you don't have a sin issue. You have a belief issue. You don't have a doing issue. You have a belief issue. And if you will actually believe what you say you believe, it'll change the way you live. It'll change what you do. Uh, and so this, these mental shifts are powerful things. And uh, I pray that you're able to uh, work through those kinds of things uh, in, in your own Christian walk. If you want to listen to or watch these messages, you're welcome to redemptioncalvary.org. And you can catch Romans 6 and 7. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. And uh, hope to see you at church on Sunday. Uh, God bless you. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.